the villain of one no one talks about the villain of wonder woman they don't but they really should hey everybody this is meta chomp tonight is the heat stroke edition and and i'm mike muncatchy and i'm alex muncatchy and we're recording here in one of the hottest days in recorded history yes what's the temperature outside right now uh 300 where am i I don't Where, know. Who am I? <laughs> it's insane. It's 114 degrees over here in Los Angeles. So we are coming from you straight from the heart of West Hollywood. Medium yeah. well done. And we'll probably be yeah. a nice burnt crisp. By you the hear sizzling in the background. Well, you know what happened. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you're hearing this uh, in the future. So we're long gone now. Yes. <laughs> so um, villains. Mm. Gotta love them. Got, love to hate them. Hate to love them as well. And now we were talking about um, the late Heath Ledger prior yeah. uh, prior to uh, recording, and maybe during recording. But with all the heat, um, I can hardly even see through. Well, my, I think we said sweat. heat. We initially said heat Ledger. Heat leather. Ledger. Heat leather. God. <laughs> oh, that's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> we're heating leather. It's we're yeah. tanning our own hides. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, people give him a lot of props for his incredible depiction as a Joker, but you know. Talk about an amazing villain. Talk about a, an actor that you... I mean, everyone has said everything already about the guy. But it's like, you, you know, we were almost spoiled. For the last couple of those years, we had Javier Bardem mm-hmm. in No Country for Old Men. He was. We had Daniel Plainview, yep. uh, or Daniel Day-Lewis as Daniel Plainview in There Will Be Blood. Um, I mean, we had so many great... In, in like two or three years or so, there was a, just a ton of incredible villains. And we were just spoiled. Yeah, we had been spoiled for a long time. Strong, strong villains, and not to mention Christopher Nolan's rendition of Batman, which elevated the series way beyond its comic book roots into something a lot more cinematically um, palatable. Yes. Um, and who would have thought that Heath Ledger would come from romantic comedies and the Lords of Dogtown and smaller films to become this iconic villain, filling the shoes of... Wait, of he did Lords of Dogtown? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, but filling, but filling the shoes of uh, of of Jake Nicholson. Jake Nicholson, um, who's just also an iconic Joker. It's well, Jack Nicholson is a phenomenal, uh, you know, actor, and he often plays very disturbed characters rather well. I, I'm um, pretty sure that he. Yeah, those are those are his. Is it method? Is it method? Is it yeah? Is it method or is it just <laughs> yeah. a little because bit? Because there Nicholson? are there are animations, little GIF animations uh, floating around with him warming up for the axe scene in The Shining, yeah. and where he's like getting into character and he's terrifying uh, cast and crew on the set. Yeah, he's and just storming like around he's just, in the kitchen, exactly, just fuming and swinging and like it's like you know, you know, part of me kind of thinks like, what? Okay, Jack, what's going on? Yeah, let's, I, let's talk about it. I'm only, yeah, I'm curious about that method yeah. versus versus just other other styles of acting. If you really like, isn't that the point of an actor? Is That's that like you don't I, have I, to become the person well, in mean, order to act? Because I mean, realistically, the, the easiest way to do it is just to hire a serial killer. Actually, just hire someone. <laughs> so hire someone, <laughs> and there we go. You know, they have the experience. They don't need to warm up. They don't need anything. They like, okay, I got yeah, it. Just go ahead and just do just your thing. Do just do your do what you do. Which, in a way, is what Jack Nicholson did in preparation for his role in Shining. Was he embodied the soul and the character of of Jack Nicholson, the dull boy that he was? Exactly. Um, he plays himself in that movie. Yeah, but he also played. A damn good Joker. He did, and the one thing I will say too, one quick thing about The Shining was I think that's still such a fascinating aspect is the whole um, 
well, no, all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy, that yeah. whole line, how that was all handwritten. That was all handwritten. That was typed up individually. They had crews of people taking turns, shifts, typing up that same line over and over and over and over again for hundreds of pages. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think I think I don't think Jack Nicholson was the only one that went slightly insane and by the end. And probably also not the only person out of that film who actually became a serial killer. That's those, true. I'd like to know exactly where those crew members are and what the hell they're doing now because it's, it certainly isn't good. No, I, I agree. But villains. You know, villains are fascinating. I mean, they they can become the main appeal for. Uh, I mean, Bat- Batman, DC. I mean, they know they're known for really great antiheroes uh, and for villains. Uh, you know, it's you know uh, Christian Bale. You know, wants to th- us to think that he was the greatest thing about the the Batman, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, but ultimately, you know, Killian Murphy killed it as Scarecrow. Uh, Heath Ledger did a good job as Joker and love it or hate him Tom Hardy had at least a very unique take on Bane and he, he was he was feared you did fear him uh, you know I mean there's that's but I mean at the very least he was still a very interesting villain even if it was a flawed rendition of that particular character also just not a particularly interesting character like Bane in Batman Bane, and Robin right. was this Hulk kind of uh, character looked like a Neanderthal with I mean, well, tubes it, coming into him and right. like green ooze flowing into his muscles, making him super strong. And, and they they found a way to make him more of an interesting character. Which honestly, like I have to say, I get to give props to both Christian uh, or Christopher Nolan. Too many Chris's with this with this trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, with Chris Nolan and Tom Hardy to craft something uh, bigger. Uh, and, and as everyone knows, I mean Chris Nolan. When he they were looking for actors to play Bane, um, they uh, they were there's a bunch of people who were bald or you know who uh, they were they were looking at. I think I know that Vin Diesel for a little while was it was being considered as well. They wanted someone with kind of a gruffer voice, more masculine, uh, but they chose Tom Hardy and they found him in, in his earlier movies just becoming this great actor who is very versatile and ultimately you know I just can't imagine being someone like Tom Hardy who was great as just a whole character as a whole figure but uh chris nolan said you know you're gonna have to act 99 percent of your acting is gonna have to come from your eyebrows it's gonna have to come from your eyes and eyebrows yeah but let's let's be honest though that's tom hardy's bread and butter he's so (laughs) used to having his either his eyes or his face covered that's sort of his stick i mean it is in in uh in mad max um, and in Dunkirk, you know, yeah. he's just he's got part of his face covered up. He's he's um, always he's always covered up. He's a tremendous he's a tremendous actor though, uh, and it's nice to see an actor who's got uh, extensive range. And now, that's that's why that's why, in my opinion, Heath Ledger still stands apart from the rest. Of course, because in in my honest and humble opinion, um, Tom Hardy as Bane could have been played by a number of other people. Um, he's great. A lot of his imposing presence, though, was about his the way the sound effect was, the costume design, also camera, and the camera, camera, camera placement. I mean, Tom Hardy is shorter than Christian Bale, mm-hmm. so they yeah, had he's, to uh, use five six, right? Yeah, so they had to use they had to use a lot they had to use a lot of crazy photography, just old school photography techniques of tilting the camera upwards or have him stand head and shoulders above, and it's kind of it's just amazing to me. I mean, it makes him look like this big domineering. Uh, character. Now, the question I have for you sure. is when it comes down to villains, you know, it's great to have a, you know, a great presence with these characters, but do you feel like the motive is important for villains? I, I do. Be, and I think the best kind of villain, and that's a great question, Al, 
the best kind of villain is one that we can also relate with and we can commiserate with so that they almost become more than just a villain. They become a part of our persona that, that re- that is, it's resonant. Yeah. Um, like Heath Ledger's idea of destabilizing capitalism, burning, well, I mean, th- burn, like burning money. 2008 was when that came out. And that was like right around the time of like the crazy financial like yeah. crisis uh, with the, the, um, uh, with the recession and everything else, Banks, too. The subprime, subprime loans. And that's because of the Joker. It's because, yeah, he burned all that yeah. money and, it, and he single-handedly The crashed. world needs a better class of criminal. At, exactly. I know, I have that written down. Look at me! <laughs> but, the way he, the, but the way he portrayed uh, the Joker was of somebody who was insane, but also intensely clever and had had a plan behind that insanity there was a truly a method to his madness um which made him so much fun to watch i I actually loved wondering what he was going to do next because he it's sort of like he was aware that he was this villain in a comic book movie but he was able to twist it into being about something more than what you'd normally get with just uh you know, a lot of in in comic books, especially there's black and white. There, yes. there's like there's the hero who is undeniably the savior, and then there's the villain who's you know born to just do shitty things to people. And then there's Ryan Johnson, who's like, really, do we really need those yeah. archetypes? Dark just... light doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a good point. Come and with I... me, Ray, for one second before let's go after your family <laughs> and try to kill everybody. Um, and so yes, I, I honestly, I um, when I. I think about uh, Javier Bardem yeah. in No Country. Um, and I remember that Cormac McCarthy in the book for No Country for Old Men, he mentions the villain. He actually introduces him as the villain um, who's known. Uh, he's He doesn't have a sense of humor. That's how he's referred to by everyone in that movie or in that book, uh, by, by the sheriffs, by everyone, investigators. And that was like the sticking point. He doesn't have a sense of humor. He doesn't have, he can't take a joke. There's no levity. Um, now, do you feel like that's kind of an important thing? Uh, do you feel like there's uh, um, a kind of a big deal with, with with certain villains? Should they just be dark and plotting against everyone? Should they show levity? Should they show they have a sense of humor? Should they show humanity? Because I've always kind of considered this to be a, a very interesting facet. Like the movies that I've grown up with, that we've grown up with, with like Goodfellas and things like that with De Niro, they're characters who are flawed. They don't have they don't have this great doctor evil plan with sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads right like they don't have this grand grandiose view because even back then it was considered cliche and it was obnoxious and it's like really world domination like is that but it's amazing how we haven't really gone farther than that Mm -hmm. like what makes movies like no country for terrifying is uh is it it's, he's the bowl, not, it's the he's, bowl cut. He's well, the bowl cut, and it's obviously they also use like Dark Knight or like Dark Knight Rises. They use the trick photographer to make Javier look like a just a beast, like a massive dude. Oh, well, but and he, I mean, but he was—he's a big guy. But uh, no, well, I, I don't know anything about how how big he is. But he, uh, Javier Bardem in that film is essentially like a virus. Yes, he, he's. He is a man who is completely distilled in his motives, and he's the yeah. quintessential villain. I think he's one of the greatest villains in recent memory because of his psychopathy. The way he treated other people was as part of this puzzle piece of this horrible masterwork that he was creating. One one kill. Wait, after what's the, the name other. of Chris Chris uh, Chris Nolan's company? Syncope. 
Oh, okay. Very similar, but different. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a second here. No, but uh, no, I think that's. But I think I think oh, nuanced you, villains. But you were you were asking a question about it, like if if villains should have levity or like should they have multi like multi dimensional you know aspects to their character? To, I, I mean, yes, yeah. I think the ones that truly stand the test of time are the ones that are more or less lost souls who are very sure about what their purpose is in yeah. the world and what they what what they are here to do. Um, not the people who are who are, I think it's very boring when the villain's goal is just to blow up the planet or to take over the world or yeah. to destroy all of our gov- governments. Well, it's, like not, it's Javier, not relatable. Well, it's not relatable at all. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Javier Bardem, also Javier Bardem's character in that James Bond film where he where he's, uh, he's that master hacker. I think it's Skyfall. I actually found the movie to be very beautiful, right. but his character was very bland in my opinion great he's a hacker wow well, no, well never seen a hacker you know, before. so he plays uh silva is his character in that in, in uh in in not nightfall skyfall skyfall yeah um and um you know he's interesting and there's kind of there's some allusions to like old bond villains like uh like jaws yeah. for example and everything else and i think he you know in his relationship with m was really fascinating as well for a bond villain i thought he was more Compelling than a lot of others. You didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that way, um, and in part because I think in in the Bond films there aren't a lot of really amazing villains. Um, no, and in particular, well, Bond himself isn't really until until Daniel Craig and uh, the guy who did was it Five Hundred Days of Summer. There's, mm-hmm. There was a, like a, a string of directors that got like, and just it was the time to be an indie filmmaker. Well, yeah. And uh, well, Mads, Sam, Mads Mikkelsen in Casino Royale, I think was the last. You great, just call, you just call him Mads. Mads, because I I love. Well, I you love and I Mads. you and I saw him uh, hail a taxi. That's right. We saw him in. We actually, in, almost, in hit, West we also almost hit him because well, we, didn't, we didn't really. Um, but if 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 looks could kill. Um, no, that was that was like he stopped traffic, and then he had like his ma- the massive uh, Rogue One poster behind him on the billboard. Yeah, that w- was which had, which had come out just uh, right around then. But so. yeah, I just I don't know. For me, villains are interesting because you know everyone has a different kind of you know is it is it a quirk? Is it a character? Like is it a tick? Is it a verbal tick? Is it how they address the room? Like a movie that was panned left and right was uh, Boondock Saints. But I actually found like the um well, I thought, a lot of people love that, but but the, I thought Willem Dafoe's like crazy like there was a firefight like it's it's I know it's crazy and outlandish, but man was it compelling like it was like let's throw everything at him and Willem Dafoe is like go for it. You also, know? he was a villain, but he was also the hero. Yes, because he was a cop. He was trying yeah. to track down these vigilantes. Right. Well, and then was it Leon? Uh, Leon the professional, uh, Gary Oldman, who mm-hmm. by the way was long overdue to win an Oscar. Man, that guy's made in so many movies, amazing roles. He, yeah, he finally he's a chameleon. Just, he just won for uh, the uh, the Darkest Hour movie. That's right. Yeah, he's finally won his first first Oscar, which is crazy. Um, I mean, he's just yeah, he's amazing, and his villain in Leon the professional was oh man it's just impeccable but it's also like well in the fifth element and the fifth element i yeah. it's just i think i don't know i think it's i think it's fascinating that people like tom cruise and bruce willis seem to like they gravitate towards like sci-fi movies it seems like occasionally they're like okay i'll go for it why not right it's like yeah tom it's cruise kind of, had a good year with edge of tomorrow and oblivion it's 
yeah, and then Minority Report and everything else. There's a lot of movies where it's like he's constantly trying to kind of reinvent himself and reinvigorate, you know, things. He's like, hey, sure, are we going to have this strapped to me? Am I going to wear this crazy outfit? Let's go for it, right? Well, and, it's- and Tom Cruise is, he's an action star. Yeah. You're not going to see him do too many dramatic roles. It's been years since he, he's taken anything but something where he's, he's an action star. An action or yeah. sci-fi action star. Yeah. I mean, he's great in Jerry Maguire, and he's... He's he was wonderful in uh, was it Steel Magnolias? But you don't you don't see you don't see like you know De Niro in Star Wars or something. I think it's it's I guess it depends on well, maybe but, it's a generational but, but, thing. But we're also living in a world where Samuel L. Jackson was Mace Windu in a Star Wars film. Was was <laughs> this poor purple lightsaber? <laughs> yeah, I, I I I still think that's one of my favorite stories though. The fact that he he's like yeah I want a purple lightsaber and everyone's like no 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 it has to be. Blue certain color and he had the nerve to ask George Lucas and like, George Lucas like sure why not <laughs> why not <laughs> purple I'd say purple sure go for it I, I love all of this crazy the mythology behind it the the, the symbolism yeah, yeah and that that actually kind of leads us to Darth Vader yeah you know, the whole star like the the first two trilogies of Star Wars yeah. are essentially they're about Darth Vader, this Anakin Skywalker, this person who grows up good, it becomes the champion of the Jedi, and then turns evil uh, yeah. just because of some unfortunate conversations that he had with a guy who was obviously a Sith Lord. Ends up betraying his whole people, killing kids, yeah. and becoming the, the master, like the, the antithesis of the hero of the galaxy. Right. Um, it kind of makes you wonder... Did George Lucas plan for this character to be so nuanced, or was this something far after the films were made that he was like, you know what? Well, as let's you- dive a little bit more into <clears throat> into this guy and and what makes him so unique. I mean, as you know, a new a new hope was originally supposed to be just one movie. Yeah, it was a Star Wars. Yeah, they, it was. They, all- it wasn't called Star Wars Episode Four. Nope. Yet. It was just a one movie thing. It was. It was kind of like the Matrix in that way. Where like they basically had a full completed story, uh, for the most part they had a, basically a, a, a satisfying foray into. A, um, I mean, I think they were hinting at it earlier on that it was going to be a larger franchise. But it's it is absolutely fascinating to see like uh, prequels, for example, that you know them actually fleshing out like okay, this is this motivation, that motivation, this is the character that they met, this is where they like. I can understand the appeal for a lot of people who are interested and have invested all this time and energy and money into the particular franchise because they fell in love with the characters and they want to know all the nuances but it just seems to me that these a lot of these especially the Star Wars movies these newer ones they're great but it's like I mean besides Last Jedi that's that's a totally different conversation but it's like I I can understand the appeal of wanting not just to relive like a Star Wars the magic of Star Wars but also like being able to be uh, shown really the backstory, having all these backstories. Like, do I want to know the backstory of Chewbacca? Um, You're gonna get it. <laughs> like, I, I can, I can appreciate having backstories and prequels and prequels. Um, but can you though? I can. I can actually appreciate. I mean, do you, lo- like, do you think Solo it needed just, to happen? No, and no, not at all. I don't. I don't see. I, if I smell, if I feel like it's like a, it's gonna be a shameless cash grab, then yeah, obviously there's no need for it. And okay. Disney, obviously, they're gonna they're gonna try to figure out a way to make it. Either, you know, did you into that seat any, any any way possible? Well, what's striking to me though is like with Star Wars in particular, it's a pretty small universe. There's a, like just a, a smattering of people that we're actually aware of in that galaxy, and 
there's just not a whole lot else that we've even explored. Yeah. Because it's all about the Skywalker family. And there's very, it feels like they were just recycling old storylines. So it's a very you, small and suffocating universe to, to, to be in. I imagine you, as a writer, it's probably very frustrating because you want to go to different worlds. Well, but then you the also fear can't is, rock the boat, though. But the fear is, because, you know, George Lucas did it. He introduced new planets, new characters, new, new yeah. worlds, and he was successful at it monetarily, but critically. I mean, he quit making Star Wars movies. And he said this because of the fan backlash. Oh, yeah, and of he course. created and he created it. Yeah, you know? no, there was a devout like the people took Luke Luke Skywalker, like they it's like it is it's a sci-fi Jesus Christ. Let's just be completely honest here. This is a character that is absolutely revered and pure and symbolic for exactly all the reasons that we've kind of come to know for the last forty years, right. and. You know, yes, obviously, if you attempt to mold that or change that or adapt it, add even the slightest bit of nuance. That's kind of what I mentioned before with like the prequels and spinoffs. I can, I, conceptually, I can appreciate that because I feel like, you know what? No, I don't really want to know that. I don't need to know the nuances of, um, of you know, Han Solo, or whatnot. But if you, if you were actually going to do, do a deep dive, because as you know, George Lucas, he, like he didn't just build ships for these movies. No, like he, he, he had, built the world. He, he, he built, built the whole a, world. Everything had a, everything was riveted together. Everything, all nuts and bolts and screws. Everything was identified and shown. Every there was blown out diagrams. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, how these were made. Like I would he had to lose his I mind. I was basically. thinking that if the detail, if that kind of attention to detail for the world building could be applied to backstory, that would be fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of it, most of it's just largely squandered. For a quick buck, which is frustrating to me. I agree with you. I also think that if there, if you tell any story, any story, any story, no matter how no no matter how silly it might seem, can still be told as long as it's interesting. Um, do we need? Do we need? Another, do we need another Jungle Book? I don't think we. I don't think we need any other. Those are those are cash grabs. They really they really are. You could yeah. say, oh, they're trying to reintroduce these franchises Any to circus, a new generation. Though. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. I get it. He's wonderful. He's, he's great. There's going to be a new Lion King, a new Aladdin. There's all sorts of these yeah. new remakes of, of the this existing IP. It's when business comes before ideas. It's where instead yeah. of telling new stories, where we're like, I'm waiting still for the next Star Wars, something that is not Star Wars, what's, but the new, what's new series. Franchise? What's a new sci-fi franchise that you can think of? That's it's entirely new, not adapted, not from a screenplay or a book. I mean, obviously from a screenplay, but not <laughs> not, not adapted from like some random like graphic novel or movie or book or something. Just and just something that's actually a blown out. Like, why hasn't like a Mass Effect been adapted for a wide audience? Right. Well, and you have the Matrix series, but that came out in 1999. Yeah, three of them, and now we're going to no, have we don't. More. We, don't there's only one Matrix. And now we're we're going to have more. I enjoyed the Reloaded, the, Mer- okay, the, Reloaded, the Merovingian. Okay, and, uh, Reloaded was relo- the Lord. The Lord. The Reloaded <laughs> was was great. The third one, though, the th- that was a rough not, year. That's that that two thousand and three or four. Two thousand. I tried to black it out because it's the only movie I've ever watched in the that, theater by myself. Serious? Oh God! Wait, no, I thought you went. Okay, I went by not. myself. I. <laughs> That year, though, 2003 or four, we had Spider-Man, we had Lord of the Rings, and we had The Matrix. Mm-hmm. That was an exciting year 
for a lot of good for a lot of reasons. Like fantasy and science fiction were big tentpole tentpole ten <laughs> tentpole franchises. Here, Seriously, both like we look like the end of. Uh, what was it? Um, shame. No, no. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> the end of shame. But the end of uh, Indiana Jones and the, um, what was it? Dr. Jones. Dr. Uh, Dr. Jones. <laughs> our, our, basically, our faces are melting off. Yes. Right it's so fucking hot oh, here. We, look like, we both look like Bruce Willis from we Die Hard. We certainly do. Yeah. Pit stains and everything. Exactly. We just walked on broken glass with our bare feet. Sorry. <laughs> but it's but that's another good example, too, as well. Uh, just to switch topics. Um Oh man, Snape. What is his name? What's uh Go for it now. What's, what's what's his name? What's what's the guy, the main bad guy? From Die Hard. Oh my god, are you serious? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um uh what's his, what's the bad guy's name from, from <laughs> Keep making Well he's um Snape? From Die Hard. Yeah, not Snape. It's just like how everyone calls uh, uh, they call him. <laughs> they call him. Uh, <laughs> Everybody calls who what? Well, I mean, it's like everybody it's, calls who what? It's like how they call uh, Newman. Newman, no matter what movie he's in, you yeah. know. They don't. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I love Newman in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Uh, that's a good. That's a good point. But uh, that's <laughs> yeah, a good point. Hans, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, but it's Hans. 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 Hans Zimmer. Hans, it's, Hans, Hans, it's, Hans, it's Gruber Hans is his Zimmer. name in Die Hard. Yes, and then the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Hans. Hans Zimmer. Hans <laughs> Zimmer. Yeah. Bomb. Oh, don't even give me the Dunkirk soundtrack, man. Yeah, I know. It's almost like the Dunkirk soundtrack wrote you a strongly worded letter. It, um, I've never heard somebody so upset about a soundtrack. Especially not one by Hans Zimmer, Sir I, Hans Zimmer. I I like Zimmer. You liked? I I like I like his stuff, but man, that was like, hey, let's hear a ticking stopwatch for two and a half hours. I just didn't love the movie. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I, I just found the movie to be tedious, and I get it. Christopher Nolan is obsessed with time, like the way time he works. He really likes time. But um, the movie just did not hold my attention. I feel like there was Reminds a bit. Of, was it Wally Pfister, cinematographer? Yeah. He went off to make uh, that Johnny Depp movie. Uh, Transcendence. I almost said Translucence. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's basically what it is. But I, I watched that movie. Um, oh, you did? And I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was... Johnny what? Depp didn't look like he liked the movie, and he was in it. No, well, he doesn't look like he likes very many things right now. <laughs> He's Johnny Depp's going through some stuff. He is so going through some stuff. Heart, hearts out, you know. If to send, send that, get that and Wally Fister. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, you know, the villains. Hans, Han, great, phenomenal, freaking villain. Great, but it's not even like it's nuanced though. He's it just a guy. It's not. A, it's not even the funny thing is that that's my point. Like, there's no nuance. There's no complexity to his character. But he just still very good. That's my point. The whole thing. Oh, well, you with know that. what happened though? Like, here's what happened. Why is he a great villain? Here, here's here's what's happened. He's good. There for years, Christoph Waltz showed up in Inglorious Bastards as this German strange character with very sharp bite and oh, very I sharp... craved toaster strudels for like weeks afterwards I did too. oh my god it looks so good it looks so good I mean I'm so sorry for what happened during that scene that's from a <laughs> fictitious moment yeah. in, in Quentin Tarantino's movie but oh my god it looked really good it did look good but I I find that his character has had been re- replicated time and time again after that for years afterward oh he the, was the a, villains were was all... it Big Fish or Big Eyes 
Big oh, Eyes. Yeah, yeah. He well, he was. Um, yeah, Christoph Waltz was in Big Eyes. And he, no, oh, I know that, but I mean, he also just <laughs> plays. He basically played that same character. Yeah, and he also plays the same character in another James Bond film, the uh, the the sequel to. Uh, oh, that was that was Spectre. Fall. Spectre. That was disappointing. It was, and Christoph Waltz was the amazing Waltz. trailer. Though I don't know, I think they got the people for that did the Spider Man Three trailer. It definitely needed more strudel, though. It did need a lot more strudel. Um, that, that's where, yeah, you're right. Though Hans Gruber was really interesting. They had, the, they, had they had just the right amount of Sam Smith. It's very true. Yes, I, I'm, I'm weirded out. I'm seeing Sam Smith everywhere now. Yes, you know he was an episode of uh, Game of Thrones too. Really? Maybe. I don't know if that's true. Oh, okay. I th- I'm pretty sure he was there. It's the, he's the, he's the one of the, the ex, the next, the ex. Oh, uh, it's, it's so it's, far, it's, ne- not it's here, so folks. far, it's so far next that we just removed the end. It's the next thing. He was, yeah, I think he, yeah, he was sitting around a fire uh, with a bunch of other wildlings. In really? That, Sam Smith was. In real life? It, in the show. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe in, in real life too, but as a character in the show. I mean, they were probably in uh, the You know, that, that song, I got, love it or hate him, that intro song, you know, really just was more emotion in that song than the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, he really earned that <laughs> castrato. It was a very yes, beautiful, impressive. Those, but, those notes. No, but villains, I think that's the part that's really hard to pin down. And I think every single director and every creator out there, doesn't matter if it's for a film, um, for music, I was going to say music for some reason. <laughs> I haven't really heard a good villain for music. It's been a long time. Yeah, that's an interesting point, though. But I mean, no, but Music for, does tell stories, and usually there are... I mean, unless you're a rapper. Yeah, like I said, I mean, let's just say Kim was a rapper. Or Kim was a villain for Eminem <laughs> for, <laughs> for a while. Yeah, no, she was. Yeah, uh, and his mom and everything else. So, but it's funny because it's like, we really, we do want, we want nuance. We want some level of originality. And yeah, I mean, you know, uh, John Wick. John Wick had just a stereotypical gangsters as villains, but few felt a certain way. They weren't necessarily amazing, but they did um, make you feel more like emotionally attached to yeah. the situation. You should not necessarily hate them, but you should feel like you should you could potentially relate to them. Oh, maybe maybe it's this. Maybe it's the the the, the quality of the villain. Yeah. Is there is a balance between that villain Good and, evil. and and just how well developed the protagonists are because I find myself really hating a villain if the villain is doing something that's going to hurt a character that's been really well developed earlier on in the story. Somebody that I really care about, like what John did Darth, Wick. What did, what did Darth Vader do to, uh, to Luke Skywalker? Well, I mean, he he he, he wears black. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Darth Vader kills Obi Wan Kenobi. Okay, and um, and he, I mean, and also burns but, 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 his uh, burn, also burns his aunt and uncle. Was that intentional? In Tatooine. Was that intentional? I forgot. Well, I mean, they didn't fall into a fire. <laughs> they didn't. Sm- they didn't Sam Smith it. That's true. That's true. Um, uh, also, like, you look at Darth Vader. No, that's Luke, a man whose face you want to punch. But Luke Skywalker, he also didn't have a lot of friends, so maybe that's kind of why he got upset about the whole thing with Obi Wan. Yeah, so, um, Luke Skywalker sounded like a valley girl and was incredibly picky and whiny. It was supr- like I didn't picture that guy working a day in his life. I bet his now, hands were. I, I, Silky smooth. I, I will say right now, let's just get it out there. Did you like Luke Skywalker in Star Wars? Did you really think, oh, I mean, is are there, I guess my thing is, before I get crucified, um, like, my thing is, do you see yourself in him? Do you find him relatable? Do you, is there an aspect 
to Luke Skywalker that you can say like, wow, he is, that's me. That's me. And I, I'm going to be like, because I guess there's a, there's a valve syndrome, valve syndrome with, with, uh, Gordon Freeman. I almost said Morgan Freeman, Gordon Freeman, right, you know, right, you right. are the character you are, you are invested. You are, he's an empty suit. He doesn't talk yeah, and, you're and living- you are living in his shoes. So there's a lot of people out there that actually watch movies like star Wars and they're like, Oh, Luke Skywalker isn't Luke Skywalker. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm. Did you ever get that connection? I, maybe it's maybe. I didn't. Me. I, I, for for me, here's the thing. Luke Skywalker is an adolescent, driven by his sexuality to rescue this beautiful princess. Wait, wait, wait which one did you watch? He, oh, okay. That's right. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but he's driven. He's he's driven to leave Tatooine to be on this adventure May because he's swords. sick and tired of yeah. being on this sandy planet drinking blue milk. Yeah. But he really wanted to break out of that. And Wait, he did finally, he? Do you drink blue milk in on in New Hope? Yeah, yeah, he did. That's the first time they introduced it. Oh, I know. Full circle. Full circle. Um, but at that moment I, I related with him and yeah. then the moment he started attaching himself to more interesting characters like Han Solo I feel like most people are like Han Solo Hans Zimmer that's, or Hans Gruber Hans Gruber okay that's the guy that I want to be I want to be like Han Solo some people yours included want to be like R2-D2 and I understand that I can respect that because there's something wonderful yes. about just the bleeps and the bloops and that Ex- exactly because I, mean, I know also people who are wanting to empathize, you know, empathize with R2-D2 mm-hmm. you know it's either R2-D2 or little uh, mini-me well, it's a, but it's, there's a forbidden romance though between R two and C three PO. That's true. And I could appreciate. I could really wrap wrap my hands around. I, I'm always curious too that what they never did explain the buttons and stuff on Darth Vader's suit. Oh, there's there's a red letter media video that's about a half hour long and it's hilarious. Mm. They go through this encyclopedia. Uh, ironically, is it talk- actual an actual real encyclopedia? Yeah, it's real. Where they talk about what the, what each button is for, and it's really funny. So we'll we'll definitely link to that in the description below. Yes, yes. I um, you know, I mean, I I think it's fascinating because like sci-fi. Oh, it, it, actually, not to cut you off, but did you see yourself as no. Luke Skywalker? No, not it, at all. Was there a character in, in the movie? Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Uh, Hans Zimmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> wow. <laughs> His ears just got to be ringing. <laughs> Hans Zimmer. I said it so confidently. Uh, yeah, Hans, Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, obviously. Obviously. Um, obviously. Hans Solo. Good. I mean, he's a far more interesting character. He's rebellious. He's a gunslinger. He's a... He's a not mercenary, but yeah. he's like oh yeah, he's kind of like a hired hired, hired gun. He's just kind of like a, he's they call like I guess the thing is he's called us. He's considered a scoundrel, mm-hmm. but he has flaws. He's not perfect. He's not wearing white clothes all the time. He's not wearing you know what I mean. Like he's not how weird though. He's also really he is flawed. He's flawed because he's very selfish. You know, and then he you kind, he you finally, felt you got more into Chewbacca than than uh, uh, Han oh, Solo. I, I got real deep into Chewbacca. But no, but there's something about Han Solo where he's 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 more he, there's more depth there. Luke Skywalker's a little bit more of a blank slate. What's he's the name intended to be the blank canvas upon which we place ourselves? Yeah, like he's supposed to be our optical, like our optics into the world of Star Wars. Yeah, but Han Solo is so much more interesting. It's like Zathura, where like Zathura is like. Oh, you're you are these kids, and you imagine if you were whisked away, and then you were required to like fix the world and solve the problems. Yeah. And, and I, I, it's a movie that no one ever mentions, but it's so it's good. Dax Shepard so, is is great in it too. 
And that's, uh, what's his name? John, uh, the guy who did uh, Iron Man. Oh, John Favreau. Yes. That oh, was, cool. Yeah, that was actually one of his, like, that was, like, one of his demo reels for Iron Man. Like, yes, sign me up. Go for it. <laughs> I think I, I seem to remember there was a part where Dax Shepard floats down on, like, rocket boots or something. I don't remember. A, I remember it being a But I remember that it was, it was definitely a movie that, like... It's Jumanji. It's, a Jum- it's basically Jumanji. It is. And I, yet again, they that was another phenomenal movie as well. And But I... It depends on the on the kind of film that we watch. Um, like you know, science fiction is you know it don't require an amazing villain. I just want a villain that is somewhat relatable. Honestly, that's my biggest thing. I don't really I don't need to jump in to become Luke Skywalker and to feel like I'm involved in the journey. It's great, you know. That's why I play video games as well. It's like yeah. hey, you're a tag along. You're a new recruit. Meet the crew. Let's and go you, on adventures. And you have so much more time to see that villain yeah. develop. Like movies especially in the age where there's such great content on TV yeah. movies they rush through the development but of the villain but if you if you have a blank slate of a main character then your villain has to be your the villain has to be a foil it has to be there's got to be something to rebound and you have to be able to project, like you said, the become the antithesis of these main characters you have to show other flaws and how can you showcase Things you know, like the the impurity, uh, you know, in faults, you know, the cracks in the in the surface. If a character itself, a character themselves, is just perfect, I think that we had an issue like that with Captain America. Captain America, that first one, yeah. was just like he was, like you chose Chris Evans, who happens to be one of the funniest guys. He's just phenomenal, very charismatic, and you reduce him to like an absolute just a symbol. Yeah, just and a, he's a just meathead. absolute vanilla you know kind of a caricature mm-hmm. and you know then you had um you know mr smith uh basically having to be um red skull and it's it's fascinating because oh, it's yeah. like Hugh. Uh, Grant, you go weaving. Hugo weaving. Hugo weaving. Hugo weaving. Yes. That's you, you, Grant. That no, I would watch that. I would watch that. I would watch the shit out of that. I I would say, Uh, yeah, take a little bit of a break from eyebrows. But Chris, Christoph Waltz, um, and Hugo Weaving, they kind of have a similar thing going on. They all, they both have the kind of their shtick, like Mm -hmm. when he played uh, V, right. Or there's that character who's. By the way, what's up with the director V for Vendetta? Like not making a decent movie for a while now. What has he done after that? He did like he did a bunch of like action movies with like Pierce Brosnan. Oh, and it's weird, like because even that a lover hate it. Like I know there's some people that kind of like you know it wanders from the graphic novel and whatnot. Like it was still a wildly enjoyable film. I enjoyed it for a little while. I thought it was a Wachowski's movie. That's true. They kept on saying Wachowski, Wachowski presents, just like how I thought. I think it was uh, like produced by produced. Wachowski's. Just right. like how I thought uh, Eli Roth. No, no, Robert Rodriguez was attached to Predator for a while. Yeah. And and then Predators came out, and that was by some other guy. Um, I can't think of the guy's name. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's fascinating how they yeah very deceptive, very sneaky. Actually, um, spe- speaking of Predators, though, what do you think? Have you watched the latest uh, trailer for Predator? <clears throat> yeah, I did. Yeah. I uh, I I love Shane Black. Shane Black is he's a guy that like is he is a, probably a walking nightmare to try to advertise and to really vouch for because it's like oh have you seen some random obscure movie like kiss kiss bang bang you or, know have or, you uh, seen have you seen a little movie called iron man 3 or nice guys you know 
and or Lethal Weapon. You know, it's like he's done a lot of great stuff, but it's hard to kind of pitch him. And then when they and notice that they dropped that too, that they dropped that thing so quick. Uh, from the director of Iron Man 3 in the first trailer, and they removed that from Shane Black and that new trailer, which is kind of hysterical because, uh, yeah, it's not really... Uh, I mean, I, I didn't mind Iron Man 3, but, yeah, I mean, it kind of divided audiences, and they want to get people into the film. What, and, do, you, what do you think of the Predator trailer, though? But the Predator trailer, well, um, I think they... they the, the, the newest one is a huge improvement. Huge improvement as far as just showcasing everything um you know uh you know yes we have uh olivia munn as some is she, is she a teacher a scientist i forgot what she was i'm not really sure um and then you have like a bunch of people you have the guy from narco um he's, he's great and Narcos. uh is it key or peel i think it's key and michael key okay yeah i forgot which one okay it's, that's right because peel did uh get out mm-hmm Okay, so that um, yeah, so key, I and mean, it's like there was a lot of interesting, as, you know, like uh, nuances to it. I know they're going to go for more, pres- you know, for practical effects. They're going to go for going back to old school predator designs, but then they have to do like the genetic DNA splicing, the super predator, thing. It's super predator, and it's we had it's me. like please guys, we had it in predators. really, we had it, and we had it in AVP Requiem. We had the pred alien. Yeah. I'm dumb. I, I'm stop it. Stop it. Cut. Cut it out. Like really, like it's it's getting aggravating. Also, I would have loved to just watch something that's not even called Predator. Just make a different creature film and put Jack Nicholson. Big yeah. Put Jack Nicholson just as himself. As him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have him get into method. Bring back the shiny. No, but like uh, you know, an original idea with a some sort of creature that might be tied into the alien or alien and predator universe. Some other well, really, really, Sc- really Scott really Scott crashed the alien movie franchise uh, into the ground, just like the ship from the trailer for Predators. Um, I think I don't. What you know? The latest about that? What's going on with that? I just know that now that Disney is purchasing Fox, that we don't really know. How like because you know future. as you know I've I've written to you before about my thoughts about Dunkirk but I have a few words to say to good old Ridley. Just one second. <sighs> Keep thinking about your words. I got a spider to kill. Yes. Um. But. But yes, I um. There's so there's kind of like a big um. A seismic shift right now going on uh, where there's, in my opinion, there's a level of conformity to films, to a lot of films coming out, especially massive productions and franchises. Um, I feel like a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in theaters nowadays is very safe. Um, It's... uh, it's very conservative in the way they don't. It's also because some of the atrocities, like some of the atrocities that were committed by these crazy villains from like the seventies and eighties, like people wouldn't tolerate that now. Like a lot of the nuances, like of, of Brando and De Niro and Pacino. Like, do you think Scarface would come out in today's audience? Yeah, you do. I, I, th- I think it. Would. I think it'd be like an IFC Midnight thing. Or a Sundance Film Festival, or something that's like literally gone to Netflix. Like no, I don't, I don't well, see no, it. Well, definitely. Ne- 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 I would. Netflix. I don't see. see I'm, I'm talking about going wide. 
Right. Well, it probably would be more long form. Like you know, Breaking Bad is absolutely Scarface. Uh, right. That's what Ozark I mean. Ozark is uh, no, Scarface. But as you were trying to kill a spider, I was mentioning the fact that there is. It's a success. Um, that there, the, I was talking about movies, like big, big tentpole productions. Let's go ahead and. Just gonna make a little point. It might be an edit point. Just, just. Okay. Point. Do you want to just? Okay. What do you want to do? We can let's bring up what you're talking about with nuance, uh, and then let's launch right back into it. That way, you can gather my thoughts. Okay. Uh, so we want to just clap it again. So yeah, I, I I have this feeling that with films nowadays, it seems to me like there's definitely some level of conformity with the way certain topics are broached. I feel like villains, in particular, are um, we are going back to a lot of like the world domination like a lot of the big theater based franchises that show in 2500 or 3000 screens a lot of that nuance we're going back to world domination again yeah we're because it's like now it's like we have the effects we have the the CG ability to showcase mass destruction you know that's on a on a just a ginormous scale and so we, it's like, oh, what better way to show this character destroying not just a small town, but the world. So now we're going, it seems like we're going back, at least from the theater perspective, we are going back to tropes that we haven't seen since like gold, I almost said gold member, since Goldfinger. I think it's because there are certain movies that were, that were, a lot of money was put behind them in the mid to late 90s, especially. Yeah. They became very popular and made a lot of money. And now the biggest franchises are the movies that kind of celebrate the destruction the destruction, and having a single-minded individual. Because these characters are having to be so shallow in their pursuits because the movie, if it's from a big studio, it needs to play well internationally. So, like, you can't have as much nuance when you're dealing with localizing dialogue. When you're dealing with ADR and trying to, like, keep your film... If it's playing in China, they have all sorts of rules of what what can and can't be shown there. You can't have ghosts in China. You, there's there's mysticism that you can, can't show in, Ch- in China. Certain elements of, uh, like, fantasy and even some elements of sci-fi that's severely limited there. And it's a huge market. So, like, when in doubt pull for global domination and that's something that everyone can understand it's a it's like a it's an easy way why did why did iron man 3 do well in china do you think well it premiered in china you know they they hosted their premiere there um and i'd have to look back at the list of actors but i'm assuming that there was an actor or actress in that film that was also somebody who's very popular in china yeah we saw we we see it now in every major Almost every major temple, there's at least one character, one you know, one actor who's also really big Rose. Uh, overseas. Rose, oh, God, I wonder if she's big. She is. Is and, she? And she's she's massive. Well, I'm sorry to the people that love Rose. I mean, but I guess I, from, from the rumor is is that she's actually very large and and she's like very popular. She's really popular. In uh, I mean everywhere else, <laughs> and so um, yeah, so that's crazy. And I I I mean you know I don't think anybody obviously. And just to throw in this for two seconds, uh, no one no one deserves to be attacked. Hate a movie, hate the director, sure. Just yeah, just not nah, knock it off, guys. But <laughs> but let's just level Rose. Yeah. <laughs> 
almost killing her boyfriend, knocking him from saving the. Can the you rest imagine? Of the no, 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 no. Okay, let's flip the script here. Can you imagine playing a CGI character from Phantom Menace and getting so much hate and backlash that you have to like turn off social media and stuff? Like it's been twenty. Well, it's been twenty years, but and he I also, still gets like hate mail every single to this day. I, and I understand, and that's why that's it's why cr- certain that's like, that's why keep, keep the mask on. That's what I have to say. Keep the mask. That. Keep the mask. On. Wait, is that why Kylo wears the mask? Yeah, it's why. Snow all of a sudden said he had a problem with it, even though it was like his thing. And, it was and so he has to reveal himself not just to Snoke, but to fanboys? Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah. Darth, that's why, identity. That's why nobody knows what Darth Maul actually looks like, and look at how popular he is. That's, or Bo- Boba Fett. So many so really, basically, or Jabba the Hutt. The best characters. Darth Vader, for the most part. Wait, you thought you, you think Jabba the Hutt is one of the best characters? Jabba the Hutt is... Oh, by the way, the one movie that we really do want to see... We, I mean, come on. Let's see... Uh, Boba. Bobo? Boba. <laughs> Boba Fett. I hope they call it Boba Fett. I think one thing that hurt the sales for Solo was that it was called Solo. Stop, I actually had, called Fett. I had people who were talking who were talking about the new Star Wars the, the Star Wars movie that came out recently and saying, Hey, are you gonna go and watch Han? <laughs> yeah. call it, why not just call it Han Solo? Call it Solo. Because it sounds I guess it sounds like it, they need to be catchy. It needs to be edgy. Not just Han, you know, don't call it Star Wars. Just call it Wars. I just, I would call it Greedo shot first. That I call it. it. It should have had a really catchy. Is it name Greedo? Greedo. Yeah, you're right. Mm. It's the controversy. That was that was probably one of the bigger moments. Yeah, that was a big that enraptured the whole audience. That was like that was the big the big thing. That's why That's, I want I want a new. A new, a new galaxy. Something yeah. outside of Star Wars. Something outside of fucking Disney before they eat everything. <laughs> yeah. Disney. Yeah. Disney is becoming the Walmart of motion pictures. They're they're gobbling up absolutely everything. I love what they do, and I love a lot of their creations. But oh my god, they're taking over things like Microsoft in the eighties. It's it's insane just to think like what's going to be left. Is it going to be? Are we going to be in a two studio system? And what's going to happen to the creativity? of these films after they're gobbled up by the big by the big mouse oh well uh, it's like I said as you're seeing the small screen Netflix Amazon Prime you're seeing all these shows compelling stuff like we, you and I were talking earlier today about this yeah. was the fact that like you know there was there used to be back in like the 90s or so there used to be this massive discrepancy between what a film looked like in the on the big screen right and what it would look like on on the small on your TV screen, like the, literally the framing, the aspect ratio, the color grading, the, the, just the quality of the actual lenses that they use, the soundtrack. I mean, I mean, everything was just there was a massive difference, and now it's like there's there's no difference now. Like nowadays, it's like for the most part, TV uh, is looking phenomenal. Yeah, it's so much, gorgeous. Yeah, it's parody for for the most part. Like, yes, really. Um, Especially if you watch, like if you watch Game of Thrones, like which continuously raises the bar. Westworld is. One I mean, of the most I literally I watched I watched uh, Westworld, and then I went to watch Unsane by Steven Soderbergh, and I was like, oh, this was, and this was obviously the movie that was shot on an iPhone. On an iPhone, yeah. And I was like, oh, great, wonderful. What's what's going on? What 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 reality am I living in? Yeah, it's like, what's the point, Stephen? <laughs> Why, Stephen? He's, he's yeah. I guess he, are he's, you trying to make a point that you don't need an expensive camera to shoot a movie? You're Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. If you can afford the camera, use the tools. 
It's it's impressive. It's like if you really want to make a point that you don't need to have a good camera to make a good movie, make a movie where there's nothing on the screen. Record a movie. Make it but, completely audio and just call it black. One would argue. One would argue that a movie like Paranormal Activity was just had a lot of bars for the fact that yes, low budget Blair Witch did a phenomenal job, but it utilized the found footage aspect. Like I don't remember why she in Unsane was even like recording herself or why that why it was shot in that specific method. It's the problem with every found footage movie, except for Blair Witch and and Paranormal Activity, both had reasons for it. Blair Witch had better reasons because the girl was a documentarian and the guy kept on saying like, well, look at you with your fucking camera still recording. Why the fuck are you recording? In Paranormal Activity, when he's like, you know, like, uh, what is it? He's like cozying up to his wife or his girlfriend after she's she's crying. So he just puts the camera in front of them and records both of them hugging each other. I, it's, it's interesting. Um, it, it's tough. I think it's better. Like, we're really better off. With with these like found James footage Wan. movies, no, just make it no, like James Wan, just James <laughs> just, Wan, just, just, just James Wan. But, if I have but, to hear him be called the master of horror one more time, I I really kind of annoys me. Like I and I he's, really he's great. He's I great. love James Wan. I think yeah. Saw was phenomenal. He gets it. I actually Conjuring, really really I really really liked Death Sense. Thought it was the greatest one of the greatest revenge movies I've seen. Like it was massively underrated, and that's a very, very unpopular opinion. Yeah. But it's the Death Wish remake or sequel that we never got. And it's phenomenal. And Kevin Bacon's great, but it's like and James Wan is he's huge now. Like he's, you know, he's he he's done he's, so so much. And like, I mean, then now there's the Nun coming out. Mm-hmm. And so, James, oh, James Wan didn't. Uh, oh, and Mr. Figley Sticks or whatever. Who did? Um, who did Star Trek Beyond? Uh, I don't know. I know James Wan did Fast, Fast, uh, like Furious Five or whatever. Yeah, I think I think James Wan did uh, Star Trek Beyond also. Really? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, also, again, an aside, and this is another movie with some really great villains, but Green Room. You know, yes. Jeremy Solnier, who's um, a wonderful, wonderful director, and Macon Blair, who's a star, and everything. That oh, and that had that, that had that one kid though too, as well from Star Trek. I think that was that how you linked them oh, together. Oh yeah, I'll, actually no, I didn't even. Anton? I was even thinking of Anton Yelchin. That's weird. I wasn't even linking them together. And yeah. Patrick Stewart, who was also in previous Star Treks. Yeah. Um, and of course, maybe from not development. to get a gate. That's crazy. That's like that's. <sighs> yeah, that's that's terrifying. That's a freak accident. That was a phenomenal movie, the, though. The tension is so palpable in that yes. film. And Patrick Stewart as a villain, it's like it's he's perfect. Is a villain. Yes, because you just don't expect it. You, you you're like, oh, he's just like the f- the friendly neighborly father, right? You know that we all know, right? But when he turns on you, it's, it's like John Goodman. Mm-hmm. John Goodman can play Sully, or he can play a crazed lunatic, also part time murderer from a Cohen uh, the Cohen Brothers movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just something really special though about. A still up and coming director, like he, you know, because he also he also did um, Blue Ruin, which is one of my yes. favorite movies. Um, and Macon Blair, who's not a known actor still, he was amazing in Blue Ruin. He was so good, also in in Green Room. And to, any and, other movies with colors in the name? I'm pretty sure he's on like a color thing. I okay. bet the next thing is gonna be like well, the White Room or okay. something, something like. Well, that. Well, there's the Red Room, but that was in the Last Jedi, and I don't think they want to like you know. They don't want to step on their toes. Um, 
we'll like we'll leave that one to the past. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something cool too about uh, a scenario that I I would never even think to make a movie about, which is like you know this punk punk rock band playing. Oh, you know in, it's in, like in front of a bunch of neo Nazis. This has to be like you feel like it was so like real. Like you know that that must have been like a secondhand story that was told by yeah. like a band member or something. Because I've I've had friends. I mean, we all have, all have friends that have been in bands and whatnot, and that doesn't stretch the imagination. Well, but and I've just never seen a movie like it. No, me either. And it did. I think it did pretty well too in theaters and everything too. Mm. Which is like, think like like I love it or hate it. What about Quiet Place? About, about a Quiet Place. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Al, you're Italian showing. <laughs> quiet Place. Um, but Jim from The Office did a great job, and uh, and uh, John Krasinski and. Um, he did a great job as a director. First, you know, I think you know, not a first-time director. That was like he did a couple times, a couple things before, right? But uh, you know, he like I can totally appreciate. There's no like it's like you're looking all over the posters. Is this a franchise? Is it part of something? Is it part of Cloverfield? Like there was actually initial speculation that the script that was written for Quiet Place was actually going to be part of the Cloverfield franchise. And oh, fuck uh, that. And I think I think that was when Krasinski said, "No, no, 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 no. We're going to keep this separate. It's going to be a totally original, self-contained so thing." Stupid. Now and everything has to be part of a freaking franchise. Well, and I think you know, good on him. Good on him for saying that, though. Well, like, he had to. You can't. He, you can't just say yes if it's not true. Well, no. I mean, he was offered. He, they, the studios came up to like Paramount came up to him and like they're like, "Hey, we want the script for this franchise. Like, can you do?" I think that's. I think that's so super cool to actually have that. Yeah, I think it's it's. Cool. That's cool, but it's also kind of a, a bummer. It's a mistake to let that out. It's much better to keep that stuff quiet because it still could have been part well, of the Well, we Cloverfield. got Cloverfield Paradox, Mike. We did Are not. you happy? That didn't exist. That <laughs> happened in a parallel reality that is not around. You know, Cloverfield I, Paradox does not exist. I will tell you, I was watching the Super Bowl, and that was the funniest thing in the world. There's, this, there's a trailer. There was rumors about this trailer coming out. And when that trailer was announced, and it was like, out now, the excitement shot to eleven. It was great. And then I don't think it's funny. I think I thought it's that funny was great. because it was like quick, the mo- the quickest deflation of excitement. It's like you know how like nowadays every artist is releasing an album totally without any any warning whatsoever. Hey, this album just dropped on this particular playlist or whatever. And like, oh, it's a great excitement, but then you found out the album's not great. Like that thing was Cloverfield Paradox, but like people were excited because there was rumors about it. Uh, you remember this whole thing? There's so God, much God particle, known for God years. particle for such a long time. And uh, yeah, we we got that. We got that. Guys, this has been another episode of Metachomp. It's 110 degrees in here. Yes, I swear to God, Alex and I look like we've just been sitting in a microwave for the past 15 well, seconds. We have, and we have, yeah. but. Please stay in touch. Yeah. Have hope. Don't let go of that hope. Contact us on uh, Snapchat. Please, uh, yes. Farmers only. Pick our brains on on uh, Grinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we will catch you More on the next. More than just brains. Anyway. Anyway. Thank you so much for listening. I've been at. I've been Alex Munkesen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'm James Gandolfini. Actually, you're Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. That's what I am. Thank you all for listening. We hope you have a wonderful night. Be strong. <laughs> <laughs> Be real. And, and, <laughs> you just got to cut it. You got to say and, something. And just, just love one another. Just love. Just love. And um, 
and just you know just remember Jake Nicholson Jake Nicholson and Hans Zimmer and Hans Zimmer and whoever that other guy that we were trying to reference Snape. but we couldn't remember his Snape. name Snape what's his real name uh this is bothering me I'm not I'm and we out <laughs> <laughs> Really gonna cut it that way? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>